Here we are. So we are in the middle of our Advent series and, and walking through Advent. So we're going to go ahead and light a candle. I'm going to try. <laughs> so this is the third Sunday of Advent. And as we light the love candle, oh, she's got it. As we light the love candle for Advent, we're going to discuss the things that can extinguish our love but ultimately, we're going to use this message to remind us how Christmas is the story of how God traveled to great lengths to convince us of his love. So when I think about love, some of you are wondering why there is a little ratty kind of torn. It's not ratty. It's not ratty. <laughs> it's really in good shape for year 14. So, so you're wondering why this blanket is here. So there is a story with this blanket. And this is, we're going to stop calling it a blanket right now, and we're going to transition into calling it what it's really called. It's called a bobby. Okay? It's called a bobby. And let me tell you the story behind this bobby. So Lacey is our youngest, and a lot of you don't know Lacey when she was younger, but... She was pretty much the same as she is now. (laughs) (laughs) Not much has changed. But she had some major uh, physical ailments and uh, just some things going on with her body. And for the first few years of her life, it was, it was difficult. We didn't sleep. We didn't sleep a lot. Uh, we had already gone through the first few years with our oldest, and we we're like, we're the best parents in the world. We know how to do this. This is, we're awesome. We should teach parenting classes. It's a like, trick. All those things. And then Lacey came along, we realized very quickly, like, with all of the things that were happening in her body, it was difficult. And so, somehow, I don't even know, do you know where it came from? Target. Oh, Target. Okay. (laughs) Did you buy it for her? Probably. Okay. So, this blanket shows up, and she can't say blanket, so she lovingly refers to it as her bobby. Now, she has given me full permission to talk about this today. Although she's very upset that she's not in here while she's being talked about. She made that really clear. Yeah, she wanted to be here front and center she's serving while we're talking downstairs. about this. Oh, there she is. Hi, Lacey. What's up, Lacey? I'm talking about you. Okay, so, you can go back to class now. So Lacey would like you to know she still sleeps with this. And I'm pretty sure until she dies... She will sleep with her this. husband's going to be like, listen, <laughs> it's going to lay between her and her husband. It's going to be the <laughs> so. And, and here's the thing, like just me bringing this today and putting this right here, like it gave her anxiety. She came up to me Don't as I dirty, brought Dad. it over here and she was like, Don't let anything happen to that. So I'm going to take really careful care of this. But over the years, uh, this became really important to her, and it was something that brought her comfort. It was something that brought her security. Uh, putting it in the washing machine was detrimental to her health. I had to do it in secret. Yeah, we had to like wait till she was asleep, kind of take it away from her, go stick in the washing machine, and hopefully get Put it, it out before she was awake. Um, but, but there was so much security and comfort that this blanket brought to her um, throughout her younger years. And it, it was, it, it, I believe that it was critical <laughs> to her, her, her health. And, and it now holds so much value to her because of the reassurance that it brought to her in her life. And so when I think about love, I think about that love is something that brings reassurance or that it should bring reassurance to her life. It, it's something that in the midst of 
whatever is going on, whatever trials are present, whatever we are walking through, love is supposed to be a reassurance. It's, spo- it's supposed to be something that wraps us up and cocoons us in, in, in a place that feels reassuring, a place that feels safe, a place that feels hopeful, a place that feels redemptive. And that is what love is supposed to look like. But even in the good moments, we can forget that there is love available to us. And then in the worst of moments, we can really forget that love is available to us. About three years ago now, we made the transition of moving to Utah. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. (laughs) We came from the dry desert of Arizona to the beautiful mountains of Utah. And it has been very good for the soul, but I would say for the first especially year of that transition, it was anything but peaceful and hopeful. So Shannon, you want to, so here's the thing. I really invited her here because I tell stories, but they're like, oh, that was nice, Alan. You <laughs> gave us the high-level details. Good job. Shannon embellishes. Yes. I like to tell stories with color. Yeah, so Alan, which we've shared this before, he has rheumatoid arthritis, um, and we, he's had it for, he's been, he's like, I think his next month is like six years, I think, um, and when we, when that happened, we were committed initially to, he said, I don't want to, you know, I want to try to do this through diet, um, six years in, and he is, go babe, <laughs> it's ridiculous what he eats, but anyway, that's a separate story, so, um, but when we got here, you know, the, a lot of things can affect autoimmune and a a completely different climate is definitely one of those things. Higher elevation. There's just a lot of things. Plus the stress of, let's just move to Utah. Because God said go, and we don't know why. So there was a combination of things. And for that first year, I think the best way I can describe it is, personally, I felt like I was just trying to keep the ship from sinking. I'm like, everybody just stay alive. Don't die. That's all I could think about. Like, the girls had never done a transition like this. He was not able to get out of bed some days, and if he did, it was like just to get his get to work, get it done, and he's back in bed. So it was not like, you know, thus saith the Lord, go to Utah. It's going to be amazing. It didn't feel that way for a year. It was really, really hard. Did I do a good job? Yeah, okay. that's, that's perfect. Well, and, and so I, and I think what, what happened in that, this is what we realized about three years in. Uh, well, when we lived in Arizona... We were very vigilant about date nights. We were very vigilant about investing in each other and, and creating a culture of love within our marriage and within our home. And when we got about two to, two to three years into being here, we realized something. For those first one to two years, we were going on dates, but it was more out of, like, necessity and more out of we just, we just know we do this. And we got to a place where we realized the love tank felt a little less full. But during that time, we realized that there was so much change in our pocket. And that's a term that that you hear sometimes. There was so much change in our pocket because of the, the depth of our love that we were able to walk through that season and survive uh, because of that love. Yeah, because we weren't feeling love, y'all. Have you ever not felt love? We weren't. And because of just everything, you know, love for him is physical touch and quality time. 
whatever. Oh my gosh. It's literally last on my list, y'all. I'm like, hold my hand. It's fine. Just hold my hand. Mine is words and gifts, which he is a quiet man. So you add a sickness in there and then the stress, like we weren't able, and not that those are the only ways that you experience love, but knowing that, knowing that about us, we realized for that, at least first year, we just weren't able to give that to each other because it just wasn't, it was just the season. And so that change though was that he had given me words. I had love notes and flowers laid on my pillow and, you know, big fun surprise gifts. And like, I had the memory of what had happened in our life to know that we were, we could, that was the change in our pocket. And so ultimately we had to wrap ourselves up in that love to sustain us through that time, to, to continue believing in what we knew was true, but didn't necessarily feel like was true, to believe that our love would test, would go through the test, would, would walk, we'd be able to walk through the trial and come out on the other side, to know that our love was stronger than all of that, even though circumstances maybe told us that this wasn't good enough anymore. Even though circumstances said that this really wasn't true, we knew it was true and we believed it was true. And so when I think about Advent and I think about the people that were a part of the story of Advent, and I think it's interesting because I got to talk, talk about her last year, um, but Mary rises to the top as one of the people that are a part of the story of Advent. And here's what I know to be true about Mary. Mary had some change in her pocket when it came to what she had to go through to birth Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you don't fully understand the, the ramifications of when Mary was approached by an angel and said, hey, guess what? You're pregnant. You're carrying the Savior of the world. All of us would go, that's great. I would love to have that. That sounds like an amazing, maybe not me because I'm a guy. Like, but you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, Hello. You know, but in the culture of the day, it, was cre- it created a massively incompatible situation. Because here's the thing. Mary was a young woman who was not yet married to Joseph. We put the math together and we go, here is an unwed young woman in a culture that says this is wrong. And not just is this wrong, but this is wrong to the death. And by law, Mary should be stoned because she is pregnant. And really, an angel told you that you're carrying the same, like, really? That's a convenient excuse. So think about the situation that Mary was in. And after she was told this, she flees to uh, Elizabeth's house. And and we pick this this story up in the the book of Luke. And if not, okay, if I were Mary, if you were Mary, I, I don't think I would respond the way Mary responded. Because everything was against Mary at this point. Sure, She was carrying the Savior of the world miraculously. But everything else in the natural was against her. And we see in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46, where I feel like Mary reached down deep into her pockets. 
and she pulled out some change. She pulled out some things about God that she knew to be true in the middle of a circumstance that felt very dangerous, that felt very unloving, that felt very difficult. And this is what Mary sings. My soul is ecstatic. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. For he said, girl, and from here on, everyone will know that I have been faithful. Holy is his name. Mercy kisses all who fear him from one generation to the next. Mighty power flows from him to scatter. He tears from their thrones and he lifts up the lowly to take their place. Those who hunger and self-satisfied, he will send away empty. Because he can never forget to show mercy, he has helped his chosen servant Israel, keeping his promises to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Here's what's really cool about this song. We read this song, and it's this beautiful presentation by Mary in the midst of a very difficult and seemingly dark circumstance. But in this short song, there are 12 allusions to the Old Testament. There are 12 allusions to promises that were spoken of in the Old Testament of a coming Messiah and a promise of redemption for Israel and a promise of redemption for all people. Now, what blows my mind about this is Mary obviously had to know these things. And again, going back to the culture of the day, women weren't supposed to read. They didn't call it the Old Testament then, but they weren't supposed to read those things. They weren't supposed to understand those things. They weren't supposed to be knowledgeable of that information, but Mary had filled her heart with the promises of God to the point that when she was met with an impossible situation, to the point where she was met with something that felt so difficult that she chose to wrap herself up in his love because she understood the promises of who he was that translated into the love that he had for her and for his people and for all mankind. She chose to look past the truth of the situation to the promises of a loving God that was walking through her in the midst of a situation that felt very difficult. You see, there was a, there was a girl in the Old Testament by the name of Hannah that we won't go into this day, but faced a very similar story in some ways and sang a song very similar to Mary. And I have a feeling Mary knew that because she had studied the promises and the scriptures. And so she came into this with a, with a realization because Mary's song shows the futility of trusting in self or trusting in political power or of trusting in riches because her trust was in God and it was to be rewarded. And then we fast forward past the story of Advent, past the story of what Mary walked through, um, 
to a man by the name of Paul. And Paul had a very similar understanding of what the love of a father looked like. Yeah, so I've been studying Romans for a few months now. So when I saw that this was in, there was some references to Romans, I'm like, let me talk about it because I've been studying Romans. Um, And it's so rich and full, and I would highly recommend that you read the whole book and just let God really stir your heart. But specifically, I want to, first I'm going to read the verses, and then I want to kind of dig in a little bit. So it's Romans 8, 36 through 39. Some of us know this. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, we will be able, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's easy to forget who Paul was. Paul murdered Christians. That's, there's no fluffy way to say it. Paul murdered Christians. He was so passionate about the law and so certain that until he had an encounter with the Lord, he absolutely believed it was right to persecute Christians. And that is the man telling us, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And So what's really, really fascinating about this is we can read that and go, okay, nothing separates me. That's great. I'm convinced. Okay. But if you backed up just a few verses, first in verse 27, you will see that Paul painted a picture for the Roman church here. He said, hey, the Holy Spirit in you is groaning to God for you. The Holy Spirit lifts up things you don't even know how to say them. You don't even have words. And he lifts up the petitions. So that's verse 27. And then... He reminds us that a little bit in another verse before this, he reminds us Christ sits at the right hand of God, interceding. He is your high priest, and he is interceding for you. So here's the picture that Paul has painted. Three parts of the Trinity. I'm not going to get too deep into theology, but that's the, there's, three. there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What Paul has painted is that two-thirds of the Trinity is always saying your name. Have you ever thought about that? God himself, the father designed salvation in such a way that he would never forget you. He designed this in such a way that you are always on the lips of Jesus and you're always coming up from the Holy Spirit, reminding God of who you are and who God and who Jesus is in you and what he has prepared for you. So I ask you, can you be convinced when you know that your name is constantly on the lips of the Savior? Can you be convinced? Because that is why Paul says, I'm convinced. If that's happening in the heavenly places, then I'm convinced that there's nothing on this planet that can separate me. There's nothing on this planet that can separate me because my God God himself is petitioning himself. That doesn't make any sense, right? But that's what's happening. God in Jesus is petitioning constantly for you. So when he says, I'm convinced that there is nothing on this earth, he means it. He sees that picture and he wants us to see a picture 
of God in heaven and the Father and the Holy Spirit and our names always coming before the throne of God. So good. And so if you think about it in this light, that both Mary and Paul understood something. They both understood that they had to remain convinced of God's love by reminding themselves of his promises, which is something that's still true for us. That we must remain convinced of God's love by reminding ourselves of his promises. Because in the scenario of Mary, the situation may have not said you are loved. There were probably people in her life that said very much the opposite. She had to be remain, she had to remain convinced of God's love because she chose to believe in his promises that were so deeply ingrained in her heart, so deeply ingrained in her soul, so deeply ingrained in her being that the reality that was in front of her didn't keep her from believing what was true. For Paul, the reality of prison, the reality of torture, the reality that everyone hated who he had become did not overshadow the promises of what he knew to be true. But what happens when we aren't convinced of God's love? We'll go to really great lengths to find love elsewhere. You see, why is it so important to remain convinced? Because there are a lot of places that are vying to offer you love. There's people, there's substances, there are situations. There are lots of things in life that want to offer you a mirage of love. And when we are not convinced of his promises, when we are not convinced of his love, it is very easy to run to those things. You see, we talked about our story earlier. The reality is there was a secret sauce in the mix of all of that. There was a secret sauce. It wasn't just because we loved each other so deeply and we knew, because let's be honest, She just talked about earlier, there were moments where I didn't feel her love. There were moments where she didn't feel my love. And there were moments that maybe we could have even questioned, do we really love each other? Are we going to make this? But the secret sauce was that we were convinced of God's love. Yeah, we can look back and see moments when, you know, the Lord would speak something to Alan, even if he's laying in his bed. But he would, you know, the Lord would say something and encourage his spirit. And then maybe there was a moment when I was feeling like discouraged and the Lord would speak a word and we would share those with each other. But beyond just sharing them with each other, though, they were personal for us. And so even in the moments when we might have felt alone, because obviously when you're so sick that you can't get out of bed, that's a lonely place. Right. And but he knew it was the thing of and it was even God what we see isn't telling us that you do because honestly for a for a hot minute it felt like he had tricked us we're like god tricked us he took us to utah it was a trick and that's right we feel that way sometimes like we 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 get in a situation sometimes where we knew the lord told us to do it but then when we get there it's not what we imagined right is it ever what we imagined no it's not 
newsflash. It's never what you think it's going to be. So, but in those moments when we're not seeing what we think we should see, it's easy to get discouraged. And so, and if I'm not rooted in God's love, and if I'm not rooted in the word of truth, then how can I have a relationship here that's healthy, even when it's struggling? And so, our secret sauce was, and we don't, you know, I think that this is important because when you hear the phrase change in your pocket, we can't, you can't store up God's love. So I don't want you to, to walk away going, oh, I haven't been engaged in God's love, so I got to like work really hard to get filled up with it. Like it's available every second of every day in a full measure to you. Like you just open yourself up and he pours it in. So this isn't about, well, I need to build up reserves with God so that when, but I will say this. If you don't have a a practicing intimate relationship, when the storm comes, you won't know what's true. And it won't be because God doesn't love you. It'll be because you just don't know what's true in that place. Because I can tell you, (laughs) working in the field of trauma and healing and our wellness ministry, when we are in the place of pain, that's when nothing makes any sense and that's when whatever has been rooted in us is what is going to come out so if what's rooted in you is the truth even if you don't feel it it's going to start coming out of you and that's I really think what carried us through that season is I knew who God was and what he said he knew who God was and we were honest we didn't pretend like we were very honest with each other and we were very honest with God very honest so (laughs) And that's allowed. That's part of that. I'm in a relationship. This is not uh, religious and it's not, it's a relationship. And so I can be honest with him. I can receive from him. So yeah, that was, that was our secret sauce, which was not very spicy because I don't do spicy sauces. Oh, it was spicy. It was super spicy. Not spice. I'm more of a hummus girl. Queso is good. So, and you know what's interesting in all of that is even down to, there were moments that I had to, I remember for myself that I had to speak out truth, even though I didn't believe it. I remember, Lauren, so I'm going to bring you into this. This wasn't in the notes, but there was a moment, it was in December, I think it was the December we moved here, yeah, and I was like super sick. And just that there were moments in me of just going, why, why the heck did we move to Utah? True story. This is this is stupid. Let's just let's just leave. Let's go do something else. And and I voiced that to her. Like I was I was done. And Lauren, you sent her a prophetic song word. Oh yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. And it wasn't for her. It was for me. So she shares it with me. And all I remember, we had this little two-bedroom townhome we were living in at the time. And I was downstairs. I didn't have the strength to walk upstairs. I was laying on the couch. And I started listening to this song. And the promises of God start washing over me. Because in this prophetic song, he was, it was literally speaking things that God had promised to me that I'd at that point, wasn't really sure that it was true. And I remember I was laying on the couch, like, ugly crying, 
snot rolling. (laughs) And it was just this moment that the promises of God that were true had to scream louder than the fear that it wasn't true, that the fear that everything he had said was wrong. Yeah, and it was also, another side note, squirrel. It was also that word uprooted the need to forgive. Mm. And we both realized in that moment, like we were, we needed to forgive someone who had hurt us really bad in our transition. And so the forgiveness also brought some freedom. So that's, that's another message, y'all. Okay, moving on. It gets, you see, when you, when you lean into the promises of God, it gets messy because it's raw and it's real. And I think about Mary in those moments, she had to be raw and it had to be messy and she had to lean in and she probably had to ugly cry um, because this, this wasn't just you're pregnant with Jesus, go have fun. <laughs> it, was, it was much harder than that. Um, you see, because ultimately, Advent is about what love did. It's about what love did. Yeah, I think it's so amazing and powerful. You know, God, the scriptures tell us clearly Love is not a characteristic of God. Scriptures tell us God is, meaning it is who he is. You cannot separate his love from his being. And that love came down in a human form. And how beautiful it is to realize we have a face, a voice. We have hands. We have feet. We have stories of what love did. So we don't have to go, wow. Well, what does love do? How does love sound? We can go to his word and read the life of Christ, and everything we need to know about love is there. Telling us and showing us and calling out to us, and how beautiful it is that Jesus came to die, yes, and to be resurrected and to bring us salvation, and in that to show us how to love. Because newsflash, we're not good at it. You're not good at it. Sorry, you're not. I'm not either. It is not in us to be selfless and to love the way that Jesus did. But through his grace, we can go to his life and we can see, oh, love did something. Love has a name. Love has a voice. Love has a story that it's told to us. And it's easy. You know, I think love is one of those words that, like we say, oh, my gosh, I love chocolate, and I love Jesus. It's a different kind of love. I mean, I love chocolate, but it's not the same kind of love, right? So it's easy, I think, for us to downplay. it. Just in natural, just in the way our culture and the way, it's easy to downplay love. Like, it's the same as my feeling of my thrill I get when I get a chocolate-tipped strawberry. So good. But it's not that kind of love, y'all. It's a, it's a love that is there even when you don't feel a rush and a thrill. Because let me tell you, when every one of the, the disciples suffered, because they all suffered, I guarantee you they weren't feeling love in that moment. But they knew what was true. And so they could walk out what, God had, what Jesus had asked them because they knew that they knew that they knew. And here's the crazy thing. 
We have the story of what love did, what love does in us, what love does in others. And there's, some, there's an outflow of that that allows us to love other people. I was sharing, so this past Tuesday night, I, I spoke with our, our youth group here, and we talked about loving our enemies. And I told them something in that message. I said, there are some people that you will never be able to love. You're going to have to allow Jesus to love them through you. Because in and of yourself, you're not capable of loving them. They've hurt you too much. They've done too many things to you. And then it was interesting because this message and, 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 and thinking through this, that what did Mary get to do? She got to wear the love of Jesus as her distinguishing mark as his follower. We get to wear the love of Jesus as a distinguishing mark of being his follower. It is the thing that, that distinguishes us from the world that says, I'll love those who love me. I'll love the things that love back. But love is all-encompassing. And the promise of God's love in us becomes a distinguishing mark in our life that flows out of us. And that's the beauty of what love did. That's the beauty of Advent. That's the beauty of our relationship because of God's promise and his love for us that we chose to reside in that then allows us to love each other, that then allows us to love those that we come in contact with. So Shannon does something. So here's the thing. I'm not a writer. Like, I am. So I tried to, this was a few years ago. I tried, I was like, I'm going to start a blog. He did like one. I did one. <laughs> Best blog, massive follow, following. It was, it was so great. I was like, guys, I, I don't have anything else. So I'm just not a writer. But this girl's a writer. She's a really good writer. Um, Thanks. But that comes from a deep well of her spending time with Jesus and him cultivating that in her because of what she has done in that process with him. And so I want you to just share, like, here's, here's a really practical thing that she has done in her life that blows me away, um, and one day I'll aspire to be like her. But. So I... I love, I can tell stories from the Bible, but don't ask me for a reference. Don't ask me for a reference. I'm like, somewhere in Matthew. So, I'm, but I can tell you, like, this is what happened. And, you know, so, but I felt compelled a few, a few months ago. I felt challenged by the Lord to really um, start finding scriptures that apply to my life. Because also, it's important to know every single scripture verse in the Bible is not for you. Okay? And you're you should be happy about that. Because if you read the book of the law, you'd be like, thank the Lord, right? So it's good to know every verse in the Bible does not pertain to our life, but there is so much that does, right? And so um, I felt like the Lord said, you know, so I grew up in charismatic church. So I did experience a little bit of the name it, claim it. I experienced, if some of you might know what that means, it's just, just, just say it and it's yours, right? I, I experienced that. 
And sometimes the word that would get used in those circles was declare it, declare it. So I kind of got turned off to that. Like, I'm not declaring anything. I kind of got that attitude a little bit. And then a few months ago, the Lord was like challenging me in that. And he's like, Shannon, so you do know that declaring with your mouth the word of my truth is actually really good. And I was like, oh, really? You want me to do that? And so the way that it translated is I, and I'm still working it out, and I'm probably going to do like little dividers. I don't know how it's all going to come out. But I am, so maybe I'm struggling with fear one day. So I go, okay, Lord, maybe there's some scriptures that I do already know, but maybe I need to go do some research and find what are, where are some verses, some actual words of life. And so I write them down, and then I write a declaration that I can speak over myself of that truth. So one of my favorites right now is, 1 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear has followed and chased after me all of my life. If you are abused, you know that that's something that you struggle with, but the Lord is bigger and greater. And so I decided I will no longer be chased by fear. And so I wrote it as a declaration over myself. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And I've even gotten my girls in on it. So sometimes on the way to school, I'm like, Lazy, let's say it together. And she already has it memorized. So it's just become this really practical way that I'm rooting scripture in myself. Am I spending hours memorizing? No, I'm not. Okay, so that's not what I'm communicating. But I carry this, I'm carrying this in my purse. I'm carrying it in my book bag. Like, so it's like my little reference guide. And I'm like, I have faith section in my fear section. In my, and I'm like, oh, I need a verse. And I think we sometimes think, well, that's not very spiritual. Like, you should just have it in you, and it should just roll out of you. I can't find that in the Bible, actually. I don't think that that's true. I think that if you need something like this to help you remember, I think it's completely acceptable. And I think the Lord delights in it because your heart is to know his word and to know the truth. And I don't always feel what I'm saying. I don't always feel it, but I know it's true. And I know that if I keep saying it, it's getting rooted deep inside of me so that when the hard comes... I can go back and go, that's right. That's what's true. Because his word is alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. That's really great, y'all. That's some powerful stuff. And so this is what I picture. I picture of Mar uh, an angel visiting Mary and telling her some really crazy, wild, outlandish news. And for a second, maybe her freaking out a little bit. Kind of like getting a little, and then I picture her walking over to whatever they had back then. Papyrus. And pulling out her book where she had contemplated and written down the promises of her God. And then when she went to sit with Elizabeth, and she began to sing and declare the promises that she had treasured for years leading up to that moment. Because those were the promises that kept her convinced of God's love. And so this morning, there are a lot of circumstances sitting right here in this room. I can sit here and right now I can look around the room and I know some of the circumstances. They are dark. 
they are hard. And if I was honest, some of these circumstances, I would go, that really challenges my belief in God. If I was to look at it through carnal eyes and just look at it at face value, it would challenge my belief in God. And so in this room, I want you, where you're at right now, to, to, to start identifying what is a circumstance that causes you to question or to become unconvinced of God's love for you. And some of you may be sitting in this room, you're going, I don't have a circumstance right now. Life is amazing. Life is great. Guess what? There are people in this room that need you. There are people in this room that need to to be convinced alongside you because you've walked through something. We're going to go out on a limb. I'm going to ask you to do something because every time I get up here and speak, you know, I make you talk to each other. It's true. Um, can we go ahead and put that last slide up that says, what does the Bible say? Yeah, that one. So I'm going to, this is super simple, and, and, I, and I'm, or hopefully. So I want you, and I, I just put a few things there. There are a lot more things that we could add to this list. But I wanna, want you to ask the question, what does the Bible say about fill in the blank with that thing that causes you to question or to become unconvinced of God's love for you? And then... I want you to turn to somebody next to you. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody that you don't know and you're like, well, this is weird. Um, And I want you to tell them what you're filling the blank in with. And then I want to encourage you, maybe that other person, maybe you have a scripture that you've carried in the past that you could share. Or we're going to be really sacrilegious, okay? Maybe you both fill in the blank, and then you're just looking at each other like, I don't know what to do now. Pull out your phone, go to Google, and type in, what does the Bible say about blank? Don't go read some commentary. Don't go read like this super long. What does the Bible say about blank? And look for some scriptures that speak to whatever that is. So, we're going to take like three to five minutes to do this. I just want you to fill in that blank, and then I want you to encourage each other with the promises of his word, and maybe Google's going to encourage you. That's okay. Go for it.
All right, you can finish out that conversation. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds. everybody here just to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray a prayer over you. And I want the words of this prayer just to wash over you in the light of what we've been talking about this morning. All around you are signs of my love, wisdom, creativity, and beauty. Those who look with expectancy will discover them. My joy can be heard in the laughter of children. My whispers stir in the rustling leaves on an autumn day. The light of my face radiates through every sunrise. And I paint the sunset skies with colors of my love. My promises of breakthrough crash upon the waves. In voice, music, the gliding of a writer's pen, an artist's stroke, and the movement of dance, each facet of creative expression releases a part of me. In the breath you breathe, the dreams you dream, the compassion received through the comfort of another, you will find traces of my love. They are everywhere that you look. Taste and see that I am good. I not only surround you, I fill you. I have poured my glory into vessels of flesh and blood, the expressions of your amazement and joy as you ponder my love delight me. This is how life with me is meant to be, captivating, delightful, and exciting. I am the majestic Lord of all creation. Come and find my love in the wonder. Just stay where you're at if you want to keep your eyes closed. Just really want it to just be you and Jesus. As we were going through that, I very much heard the spirit of the Lord say, there's a lot of weary people in the room. Just tired. So very tired. And I know from experience that when we're just so worn down and tired, it's easy to forget. And I hear the Lord saying, it's a new day. I hear the Lord saying to the weary heart, cast your care on me because I care for you. That situation that you think is beyond me, guess what? I died and resurrected to cover it. I am greater than what you're facing. I am greater. And even when you can't see the way forward, he's holding the flashlight. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to be a better person, a better Christian. And it's actually not even about if you know more scripture. You just have to have the faith of a mustard seed, tiny faith that he is who he says he is. And he will do what he has said he would do. And so I want you to stay there and meditate for a second on that. And I'm going to just ask our prayer teams to go ahead and come up.
because there's two ways that God works. This is what he's done from the beginning of the church. He works through the truth of his words spoken to each other and planted in our hearts, and he works through community. It's not just a cool phrase. It's not just a catchy thing. We need each other. It is part of his design. And so we don't have prayer teams every week because we just think you need the special prayer of someone up here. We have prayer teams because you need community. You need to look someone in the eye and you just practiced it. You need to look someone in the eye and say, I am struggling and I need you to hold me up. I need your faith to hold my faith up. That's why we pray together and we share our burdens. And so the prayer team's gonna come forward and if something was stirred in either your, your conversation with each other or in what the Lord just spoke over us, both through Alan and then through what I shared, if any of that is making you feel the sense of, I need to go forward and just receive some prayer, I need some encouragement, then I'm going to ask you to, to do that. I'm going to ask you to take the step and to come forward and to receive prayer. And so my prayer teams, if you'll come forward. And then if you're like, you know what, I don't really, I don't, I don't need to come forward for prayer right now. I feel like I'm okay. We're going to actually, this wasn't planned, but we're singing a song called Getting Ready. And it's a song about the return of our Jesus. The reason we can pray and we can hope and we can, and we can speak the word is because he's coming again. We have a promise. And so if you're like, you know, I just want to worship and sing these words over those who need prayer, then that's a great, that's a great idea for you to do that. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand as we go into this worship song. And then if you need prayer, I'm going to ask you to take the step and come forward and let someone pray with you to encourage you in the truth of who God is. Yeah. 
say thank you so much that you're coming back. You're coming back for us. You love us. You're for us. You are with us. You are around us. I thank you for the church. These people that we get to be with, these people that we get to love and that that love on us. Jesus, we're ready. We're ready for you to come and heal. We're ready for you to come and raise what's dead in us. We're ready for you to come and restore. But Jesus, more than that, we're ready to be with you. Jesus, let us carry that truth. Let us carry that reality beyond these four walls, into our workplaces, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, to take that love and all your promises and show the world what we're getting ready for. We're getting ready for you to come. We're getting ready to be made one. We're getting ready to be yours for all eternity. We're getting ready to be free 